Busy Idleness by Jane Taylor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Busy Idleness by Jane Taylor. Mrs. Dawson, being obliged to leave home for six weeks, her daughters Charlotte and Caroline received permission to employ the time of her absence as they pleased. That is, she did not require of them the usual strict attention to particular hours and particular studies, but allowed them to choose their own employments, only recommending them to make good use of the license and apprising them that, on her return, she should require an exact account of the manner in which the interval had been employed. The carriage that conveyed their mother away was scarcely out of hearing when Charlotte, delighted with her freedom, hastened upstairs to the schoolroom where she looked around on books, globes, maps, drawings, to select some new employment for the morning. Long before she had decided upon any, her sister had quietly seated herself at her accustomed station, thinking that she could do nothing better than finish the French exercise she had begun the day before. Charlotte, however, declined attending to French that day, and after much indecision, then saying, I have a great mind to three several times without finishing the sentence she at last took down a volume of cooper and read in different parts for about half an hour then throwing it aside she said she had a great mind to put the bookshelves in order a business which she commenced with great spirit but in the course of her laudable undertaking she met with a manuscript in shorthand whereupon she exclaimed to her sister caroline don't you remember that old mr henderson once promised he would teach us shorthand how much i should like to learn only mamma thought we had not time but now this would be such a good opportunity i am sure i could learn it well in six weeks and how convenient it would be one could take down sermons or anything and i could make rachel learn and then how very pleasant it would be to write to each other in shorthand indeed it would be convenient in a hundred ways so saying she ran upstairs without any further delay, and putting on her hat and spencer, set off to old Mr. Henderson's. Mr. Henderson happened to be at dinner. Nevertheless, Charlotte obtained admittance on the plea of urgent business, and she entered his apartment so much out of breath and in such apparent agitation that the old gentleman, rising hastily from the table, and looking anxiously at her over his spectacles, inquired in a tremulous tone what was the matter. When, therefore, Charlotte explained her business, he appeared a little disconcerted, but having gently reproved her for her undue eagerness, he composedly resumed his knife and fork, though his hand shook much more than usual during the remainder of his meal. However, being very good-natured, as soon as he had dined, he cheerfully gave Charlotte her first lesson in shorthand, promising to repeat it regularly every morning. Charlotte returned home in high glee. She at this juncture considered shorthand as one of the most useful, and decidedly the most interesting, of acquirements, and she continued to exercise herself in it all the rest of the day. She was exceedingly pleased at being able to write two or three words, which neither her sister nor even her father could decipher. For three successive mornings Charlotte punctually kept her appointment with Mr. Henderson, but on the fourth she sent a shabby excuse to her kind master and if the truth must be told, he from that time saw no more of his scholar. Now the cause of this desertion was twofold. 
first and principally her zeal for shorthand which for the last eight and forty hours had been sensibly declining in its temperature was on the above morning within half a degree of freezing point and second a new and far more arduous and important undertaking had by this time suggested itself to her mind like many young persons of desultory inclinations charlotte often amused herself with writing verses and it now occurred to her that an abridged history of england in verse was still a desideratum in literature she commenced this task with her usual diligence but was somewhat discouraged in the outset by the difficulty of finding a rhyme to saxon whom she indulged the unpatriotic wish that the danes had laid a tax on but though she got over this obstacle by a new construction of the line she found these difficulties occur so continually that she soon felt a more thorough disgust at this employment than at the preceding one so the epic stopped short some hundred years before the norman conquest difficulty which quickens the ardour of industry always damps and generally extinguishes the false seal of caprice and versatility charlotte's next undertaking was to be sure a rapid descent from the last in the scale of dignity she now thought that by working very hard during the remainder of the time she should be able to accomplish a patchwork counterpane large enough for her own little tent bed and the ease of this employment formed a most agreeable contrast in her mind with the extreme difficulty of the last accordingly as if commissioned with a search warrant she ransacked all her mother's drawers bags and bundles in quest of new pieces and these spoils proving very insufficient she set off to tax all her friends and to tease all the linen drapers in the town for their odds and ends urging that she wanted some particularly as she was posting along the street on this business she espied at a distance a person whom she had no wish to encounter namely old mr henderson to avoid the meeting she crossed over but this manoeuvre did not succeed for no sooner had they come opposite to each other than to her great confusion he called out across the street in his loud and tremulous voice and shaking his stick at her how do you do miss shorthand i thought how it would be oh fie oh fie charlotte hurried on and her thoughts soon returned to the idea of the splendid radiating star which she designed for the centrepiece of her counterpane while she was arranging the different patterns and forming the alternations of light and shade her interest continued nearly unabated but when she came to the practical part of sewing piece to piece with unvarying sameness it began as usual to flag she sighed several times and cast many disconsolate looks at the endless hexagons and octagons before she indulged any distinct idea of relinquishing her task at length however it did forcibly occur to her that after all she was not obliged to go on with it and that really patchwork was a thing that was better done by degrees when one happens to want a job rather than to be finished all at once so with this thought which would have been a very good one if it had occurred in proper time she suddenly drew out her needle thrust all her pieces arranged and unarranged into a drawer and began to meditate a new project fortunately just at this juncture some young ladies of their acquaintance called upon charlotte and caroline they were attempting to establish a society among their young friends for working for the poor and came to request their assistance caroline very cheerfully entered into the design as for charlotte nothing could exceed the forwardness of her zeal 
she took it up so warmly that caroline's appeared in comparison only lukewarm it was proposed that each member of the society should have an equal proportion of the work to do at her own house but when the articles came to be distributed charlotte in the heat of her benevolence desired that a double portion might be allotted to her some of the younger ones admired her industrious intentions but the better judging advised her not to undertake too much at once however she would not be satisfied till her request was complied with when the parcels of work arrived charlotte with exultation seized the larger one and without a minute's delay commenced her charitable labours the following morning she rose at four o'clock to resume the employment and not a little self-complacency did she feel when after nearly two hours hard work she still heard caroline breathing in a sound sleep but alas charlotte soon found that work is work of whatever nature or for whatever purpose she now inwardly regretted that she had asked for more than her share and the cowardly thought that after all she was not obliged to do it next occurred to her for the present therefore she squeezed all the things done and undone into what she called her dorcas bag and to banish unpleasant thoughts she opened the first book that happened to lie within reach it proved to be an introduction to botany of this she had not read more than a page and a half before she determined to collect some specimens herself and having found a blank copy-book she hastened into the garden where gathering a few common flowers she proceeded to dissect them not it is to be feared with much scientific nicety perhaps as many as three pages of this copy-book would be spread with her specimens before she discovered that botany was a dry study it would be too tedious to enumerate all the subsequent ephemeral undertakings which filled up the remainder of the six weeks at the expiration of that time mrs dawson returned on the next morning after her arrival she reminded her daughters of the account she expected of their employments during her absence and desired them to set out on two tables in the schoolroom everything they had done that could be exhibited together with the books they had been reading charlotte would gladly have been excused her part of the exhibition but this was not permitted and she reluctantly followed her sister to make the preparation when the two tables were spread their mother was summoned to attend caroline's which was first examined contained first her various exercises in the different branches of study regularly executed the same as usual and there were papers placed in the books she was reading in school hours to show how far she had proceeded in them besides these she had read in her leisure time in french florian's numa pompilius and in english mrs moore's practical piety and some part of johnson's lives of the poets all the needlework which had been left to do or not in her option was neatly finished and her parcel of linen for the poor was also completely and well done the only instance in which caroline had availed herself of her mother's license was that she had prolonged her drawing lessons a little every day in order to present her mother with a pretty pair of screens with flowers copied from nature these were last of all placed on the table with an affectionate note requesting her acceptance of them mrs dawson having carefully examined this table proceeded to the other which was quite piled up with different articles here amid the heap were charlotte's three pages of shorthand several scraps of paper containing fragments of her poetical history a piece not large enough for a doll's cradle of her patchwork counterpane her botanical specimens together with a large unfinished pile out of the dorcas bag 
many of the articles of which were begun, but not quite finished. There was a baby's cap with no border, a frock body without sleeves and the skirt only half hemmed at the bottom, and slides, tapes and buttonholes were all, without exception, omitted. After these followed a vast variety of thirds, halves and quarters of undertakings, each perhaps good in itself, but quite useless in its unfinished state. The examination being at length ended, Mrs. Dawson retired without a single comment to her dressing-room, where, in about an hour afterwards, she summoned the girls to attend her. Here also were two tables laid out, with several articles on each. Their mother, then leading Caroline to the first, told her that, as the reward of her industry and perseverance, the contents of the table were her own. Here, with joyful surprise, she beheld first a little gold watch, which Mrs. Dawson said she thought a suitable present for one who had made good use of her time. A small telescope next appeared, and lastly, Paley's Natural Theology, neatly bound. Charlotte was then desired to take possession of the contents of the other table, which were considerably more numerous. The first prize she drew out was a very beautiful French fan, but upon opening it, it stretched out in an oblong shape, for want of the pin to confine the sticks at the bottom. Then followed a new parasol, but when unfurled, there was no catch to confine it, so that it would not remain spread. A penknife handle without a blade, and the blade without the handle next presented themselves to her astonished gaze. In great confusion, she then unrolled a paper which discovered a telescope apparently like her sister's, but on applying it to her eye, she found it did not contain a single lens, so that it was no better than a roll of pasteboard. She was, however, greatly encouraged to discover that the last remaining article was a watch, for, as she heard it tick, she felt no doubt that this, at least, was complete. But on examination, she discovered that there was no hour hand, the minute hand alone pursuing its lonely and useless track. Charlotte, whose conscience had very soon explained to her the moral of all this, now turned from the tantalizing table in confusion, and burst into an agony of tears. Caroline wept also, and Mrs. Dawson, after an interval of silence, thus addressed her daughters. It is quite needless for me to explain my reasons for making you such presents, Charlotte. I assure you, your papa and I have had a very painful employment the past hour in spoiling them all for you. If I had found on your table in the schoolroom any one thing that had been properly finished, you would have received one complete present to answer it. But this, you know, was not the case. I should be very glad if this disappointment should teach you what I have hitherto vainly endeavoured to impress upon you, that as all those things, pretty or useful as they are in themselves, are rendered totally useless for want of completeness, so exertion, without perseverance, is no better than busy idleness. That employment does not deserve the name of industry, which requires a stimulus of novelty to keep it going. Those who will only work so long as they are amused will do no more good in the world, either to themselves or others, than those who refuse to work at all. If I had required you to pass the six weeks of my absence in bed, or in counting your fingers, you would, I suppose, have thought it a sad waste of time, and yet I appeal to you whether, with the exception of an hour or two of needlework, the whole mass of articles on your table could produce anything more useful. And thus, my dears, may life be squandered away in a succession of busy nothings. 
I have now a proposal to make to you. These presents, which you are to take possession of as they are, I advise you to lay by carefully. Whenever you can show me anything that you have begun and voluntarily finished, you may at the same time bring with you one of these things, beginning with those of least value, to which I will immediately add the part that is deficient. Thus, by degrees, you may have them all completed. And if by this means you should acquire the wise and virtuous habit of perseverance, it will be far more valuable to you than the richest present you could possibly receive. End of Busy Idleness by Jane Taylor Read by Lynn Thompson